Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? All right. Steve Mathis, let me come back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This week, it is for episode 385, the live show from Works Connection, the night before Hangtown, and episode 386... And it is brought to you by all of Pulp's wonderful sponsors, including Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO Bags, Ride Engineering, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Suspension, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oil, EKS Brand, Goggles, Pro Filter, and of course, Works Connection. So I've got two superstars of BMX on the phone with me. First of all, brought to you by WSA, which provides the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you're a race professional supercross or just a weekend warrior, W has wheels for you. W can even restore your old wheels. Visit WUSA.com and let John and Kristen Anderson take care of you. So WUSA brings us the Olympic Olympic gold medalist Connor Fields. What's up, Connor? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on here. It'll be fun to uh, get a chance to, to talk about stuff. Absolutely. And also on the line with us, if you're looking for a high-performance seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing are providing seats for many of the best riders in the world, some of the top teams. So visit GutsRacing.com today. And Guts Racing brings you the one and only Bryce Betts. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? I've been listening to Pulp for about four years, and it's so awesome for me to be on here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm stoked to have you guys, man. I mean, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Connor in Vegas. Uh, Bryce, I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, but it's really cool to get some BMX superstars on here and that are interested. It's, it's really cool how it crosses over. I've been riding a little bit of BMX, just really street, riding around the street in the last few months trying to cross train and um i'm getting the itch back to maybe try to do some racing too yeah well i mean it's the bmx the sport literally started by kids who watched motocross on tv and then they took their bikes out into the into the hills and try to kind of copy what they saw so right. you know the two the two sports you know not only that they cross over like that but sponsor wise and the same people and industry and you know there's a lot of similarities between the two absolutely well, let's get this thing started. we got a lot to talk about tonight, a couple great shows. Um, I want to start off with talking about the Works Connection show. Um, so there was some d- d- discussion, you know, they were just talking about, in general, uh, with Jason Anderson and Mount Marvin and all the guys at, at Baker's Factory. And, um, you know, there's, there's discussion of whether or not there's drama at the Baker's Factory. And Zach was in, in there, you know... Uh, Weege and Steve are kind of pushing buttons a little bit, tra- talking about how they try to get Zach to give them some inside information. Um, all the all the panel, the you know the, the media guys think there has to be drama. Zach says there's really not. Um, Connor, what do you think? I mean, you're you're uh, you train with other riders, I'm sure, doing BMX. You, I mean, do you think there's drama at the Baker's Factory? You think there's you think the media guys, Steve and Weege and JT, are right? Yes and no. So, 
I, I think that the number one most important thing when you're training with a group of riders that are all competitive is the leadership, right? So Alden comes to the table with a proven track record of leadership. It's, it's his way or the highway. It's, you know what you're getting when you show up there. And no matter how big your ego is, you know, whether you're Anderson, whether you're Webb, whether you're Marvin, you have no choice but to check that ego at the door because Alden is the boss, right? Right. So with that, with that said, I think all of the guys have to keep that aspect kind of in check because they, they know the opportunity that they have training there, riding that bike, and being in that situation. So they have no choice but to kind of swallow that pride or whatever they're feeling at the time and, you know, be subjective, I guess, to what Alden's saying and what they want to do. Now, on the flip side of that, I also don't know how you could get four alpha dogs who all believe that they can win. Right. And they they don't eventually have something that boils over or blows up. But what it seems like is going on to me is that they're being really smart about it and they're separating each other. Right? So Cooper and Marvin are back in the West Coast training and getting ready for the outdoors in the West Coast while Anderson is staying back in Florida, riding in Florida. So I think they're all kind of aware of the possibility of things going south. Um, and they're taking preventative steps to kind of keep everybody separated and do what they can to avoid it. Right. Now, Bryce, what I like, one of the things I like about this topic is the way guys like Steve and Weege have really become, they're, they're part of the industry, they're friends with these guys, and they kind of, they can ask it in a funny way and push the buttons and just kind of ruffle the feathers a little bit because they're tight with Zach or, you know, um, and it makes it entertaining, but you can usually get a really good response out of it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the subject, Bryce? Yeah, I, I really love when they go over the, the topic of the conflict or something, because that's something that if you're just a casual watcher on TV or something, that, that's something that you would never know right. without having the connection of the friendship that they that they have, especially Steve and Zach. Um, there's no way to really know that without their information, but you kind of have to take it for for what it's worth. The, the hard part to me is when someone like maybe Alden tells Weege that everything's okay and, and this and that, but then they see that Jason's in California when they're all in Florida or something. Right. So I think sometimes Alden has benefit of making it seem like things are perfect, even if they're not. Um, so it's, it's kind of always hard to, what what is it? You have to think about why what the motives behind what they're saying is. So all of those going to want to make sure it seems great, but I think Zach's a little bit of a better resource probably. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So throughout that show, when Zach's still on, they're talking about two fifties, uh, for outdoors. And Zach made a comment that he thinks Adam Cianciarillo is a heavy favorite. Um, I do think he's a favorite. I don't know that I believe he's the heavy favorite. Bryce, what do you think about the two fifty class? Is Zach right? AC's the heavy favorite or you think he's wrong? Um, it's, it's, I think the 250 class right now is in such an interesting spot. It always is, but people have momentum from the East Coast and the West Coast, and it's hard to say. A lot of the, the main guys with, with Zach being on, I think, are, are all telling themselves they're a the favorite right now. I think Sexton thinks he could win it. I'm sure Justin Cooper thinks he could win it. Um, I'm sure Adam thinks he's the favorite, and, and there's plenty of other guys that are, are telling themselves now, but it's what... They're going to be playing themselves in four weeks. I think that that conversation of who's in the fight will be a lot smaller. Yeah, Connor, what do you think? Do you think AC is a heavy favorite? 
Gee, I don't know. So I have some thoughts on that. Um, you know, I think after Vegas, everybody was kind of on the Ferrandez train, it seems like. And I understand, you know, he won the East-West shootout, but I feel if Adam wouldn't have made that mistake, and he would have just cruised in for the third, and he would have won the championship. Sure. But I feel like I feel like all of the preseason hype and all of the preseason favorites would, uh, would have been all about Adam. So I'm not surprised that other people feel that way. Um, but he has only ever – this is only his second win uh, ever in the outdoors. Right. Uh, he, only, he only has one previous win. So it's hard to say that. But on top of that, if you look at the other guys, Justin Cooper's never won a moto or never won an overall. Uh, I don't believe Chase Sexton's ever won an overall. I think Ferrandez has a couple. It's yeah. not like there's any guys in the class of Jeremy Martin out that you can say, oh, this guy has a, has a bunch of experience winning, uh, winning a bunch of races and managing a championship. So I think I agree with Bryce in that that's what makes it so exciting is that there's 10 dudes who all think that they can win. And that's what's going to make it fun to watch because I don't think it's going to be a runaway by anybody. You know, I think that the red flag's going to change hands a few times throughout the year. You know, Adam looked great last weekend. Next weekend, Sexton might blow everybody's doors off. The following weekend, Brandis might win. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes it fun as a fan. So I don't know. If I had to put money on somebody, <laughs> I think it's hard It's hard not to put money on Adam. Um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say heavy favorite. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I thought, too. A couple more points with the Works Connection show. Um, they talked to – Weege was talking about uh, the, the favorites in the 450 class, and he made a comment that he he feels like fans and the media have, quote-unquote, written off Marvin Muskan um, because of the things, you know, Cooper winning the championship, and that we kind of forget how close Marvin was and how he was the fastest guy a lot of the Supercross season. Um, but I do think – I do agree with Weeds that sometimes we ride off Marvin. We don't think he's the top dog, and there may not even be a top dog at Baker's Factory at KTM. Um, what do you think, Bryce? You think we kind of forget or write off Marvin that maybe we don't give him the credit he deserves? You think Weeds is right? Yeah, I mean Marvin's been close so many times yep. that, but you always forget who gets second. I really think Connor might have an interesting perspective on this because. Before, um, really before the Olympics, I feel like Connor got second in every single series I could think of. So, um, Connor, what what are you? How how is it when you are maybe struggling and, and you get so close that you, you maybe at the the final race for us to be the Grand National that you just miss it by a little bit? Is it is it something that like it almost becomes harder because you got close so many times, or is it easier because you've been close so many times? Um, it's hard because I think as you, the more it happens, you know, and I got second in like three or four different championships, um, before the Olympics, but it gets harder because you start questioning, like, can I do it? Right. You don't question if you have the speed, you don't question if you can, uh, have the ability, but it's, can I actually do it when it boils down to producing the result, you know, winning the championship or not, can I do it? Um, but on the flip side, if you look at it from a positive view, it's like you have to be pretty damn good to be in that position that you're getting second for a championship again and again and again right. and again. And, and the fact that Marvin's gotten, you know, I think two or three straight second places in the outdoors and second and third in the Supercross the last few, few years, there's about 
99% of racers, unless your name is Jason Anderson, Cooper Webb, or Eli Tomac, you would trade places with where Marvin is right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but I think I think the, the big reason why people, and I think people like, when they say people, I think they mostly mean fans, because anybody in the media that pays attention knows how good Marvin is. And if Marvin just goes and wins the championship, it wouldn't be surprising to them at all. But I think the reason that a lot of fans do it, and I hate to bring this, this card up, is the French thing. Um, Marvin is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I've met him on a number of occasions. He has always been nothing but kind to me and seems like a really stand-up guy. But I honestly think it's just that classic America versus French rivalry that yeah. Americans just have trouble have trouble rooting for a French guy. It's... Um, it's funny you say that because we had on the Moto X Pod show last night, we had David Villeman on who coaches Dylan and Marvin, and we had a long discussion about that. And he just said, you just have to accept it. You know, they just have to know it's part of it. If if we went over there and raced in France, there'd be a little bit of that too. Um, yeah, it's just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> I've raced in France. I, I know how that feels. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. You may be right, or Weege may be right that some of the fans have written him off, but I think the reality is. He's like you said, second place most of the time, or a lot lately. He's always right there. Uh, no, no de- doubt that he could win a championship. He's every bit as qualified and as fast at times as any of the other guys. So, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on just a little bit. Something that Steve does a lot. One, I tell you oh, one go ahead. thing. Yeah, one go ahead. thing on that. One thing on that Marvin thing before we go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. I know he's. I know he's a little bit older, um, but I, again, I can speak kind of from experience on this, if he wins one, if he wins this year, that could unlock that kind of last piece that that doubt in his mind is gone. Right. And if he wins the outdoor championship this year, I think he could carry that into a Supercross championship next year. And I think, you know, it could almost be something that builds and he kind of figures that last piece out and is able to kind of start, you know, Putting two or three championships together, right? Not that I think that. Not that I think that's going to happen. Because if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on that. But I do think it's worth pointing out. Once you make that breakthrough, it's a lot easier to do it again. Absolutely. Um, okay, so something Steve does a lot, and it's always for me at least one of my favorite things is when Steve goes on a little bit of a rant. Now he didn't have a official race tech rant. At Works Connection, but they were discussing the amateurs that are able to move up this year, a new rule, and race a couple of nationals. As long as they don't score more than 40 points, they can drop back down. Um, he hates that rule, obviously. He doesn't seem to like anything with amateurs, but um, I think it's kind of a cool thing. I like seeing what Derek Drake and those guys can do when they move up. They get a chance to ride a couple races. I don't see any issue with it. Um, I think most of the other guys, Weege and... Um, Kiefer was in stu- in studio that night. They didn't have a problem with it. You guys are you're a professional racer, Connor. Uh, Bryce, I, th- I believe you're still racing junior level. Is that right? But s- still, you're. I mean, what do you guys think about uh, an amateur being able to race a national once or twice a year and then drop back down? Uh, Bryce, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I also I love him. He's on the ranch, and sometimes I think he almost tries to play devil's advocate to try to get answers out of people so maybe I don't know if deep down how, how strong some of those opinions are as much as it's great entertainment um, but I do I kind of I guess I can see both sides um, it does probably on Steve's side of things it probably adds a little bit more value to the amateurs and allows them to get their I don't know their massive contracts that should go towards um, someone like Alex Ray or something 
I think that's the, that's the main issue that that Steve always brings up. Um, for me, it doesn't really affect me, and I like to sing new faces. So it's it's really cool to to see some more people in there on on good bikes that you don't know how they're going to do. It kind of adds to the storyline. But I guess I see both sides. Yeah, and Connor, uh, I mean, like so you race at a professional level. I mean. Um, what do you think about a rule like that? Is it beneficial to the sport? Is Steve right, or or is he wrong? I'm going to play at JC and waffle here a little okay. bit. Um, so I'm going to agree with Bryce that I can see both sides of the argument. As a racer, from my if I put my racer hat on, I, it would have been awesome to have a couple of chances to race a couple of, of pro races um, before having to turn up full time kind of see where I'm at, see how things are going, where I need to improve, just get a little bit of a taste before I have to do it full time. So from that perspective, I think it's awesome. As a fan or as um, somebody who's, you know, let's say hypothetically I'm a, I'm a, I work for a team or I'm an agent or something like that, I would hate that because in my mind you're either a professional or you're not. Yeah, I can see There's that. Not really, it's not really like – so, you know, you're, you're going and you're, let's just say you're at Starbucks getting a coffee and the guy's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I ride dirt bikes. Oh, are you pro? Oh, well, kind of. Like, I race a couple of races for pro, but then I have to go back down to amateur, so I'm like kind of pro. You know what I mean? It, it, in my book, you're either a pro or you're not. Uh, so I can see both sides. Is that all? Okay. And so I'll just play, I'll play the, the middle there. The waffle waffle. <laughs> But I mean, I, I you know usually on a lot of points, you, it, there's there's good points of either argument. So yeah, I, I think Steve does like to uh, stir the pot a little bit. I don't know that I believe he fully is that negative against the amateur situation because he did waffle a couple weeks ago when I was in studio about oh yeah Connor you know uh, um, Carson Mumford and Ryder D those guys are fine you know, making all that money, but it's the other guys, you know, well, that's the first time he's ever said that and that I've heard. So it kind of seemed like he waffled on his own argument. All right, let's move on to uh, the main show Monday night, episode three eighty six. Alex Ray in studio. Chris Cooksey joins later in the show. Um, a Ray is just a character, man. I love Alex Ray. Funny guy. Um, he had a couple of lines of the night. There were a couple of lines that made me laugh. He was talking about Bubba Polly having this crash in Hawaii, and he said he knocked his dick loose. I'm going to use that from now on. That was fantastic. Um, but, but some of the discussion with Alex was about coming back to HEP. Um, and Steve says that he thinks HEP should stay the same team in 2020. So that's Kyle Chisholm, Alex Ray, and Adam Knapp. Um I think that's a good team. I think Steve's probably right. That's good for that team. Bryce, uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I think that team on a promotional side is so good, obviously. All the connection with Pulpamex. Everyone has a, a good fan base. But I, I really, I guess it sounds like he's in an interesting spot where he's helping set up the bike and um, get ready, but he's not sure if it's going to move forward. And Steve just constantly kind of funnily tells him not to do those things and unless you have a contract in hand and I guess I'm not sure how, how smart that would be to to just say no I'm not doing it because I'm sure there's a lot of working parts of sponsors that need to uh, sign or right. some things just to make sure that they can pay for the mechanic pay for the bike, pay for him so I think it's, they probably want to keep everyone that is, sounds like maybe they have some things in the background that they're probably working out if he doesn't have a contract that would get yeah I'm sure that's the case, Connor what do you think you like the HEP team as is 
Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, touching on what Bryce said, I think he's in a really tough situation because it's like, do you keep helping them out with the hopes of them giving you a contract and kind of try to play the goodwill card, like, hey, I'm helping you and you can help me out? Or do you do what kind of Steve is suggesting and say, don't do anything until you have the contract in right. hand? It's like, unless you have a crystal ball to tell you what's going to happen, you don't really know the right way to play that um, that situation. So I don't envy uh, Alex being put into that situation. And Alex is a nice guy. Um, he's always been cool to me when I've met him. So I hope the best for him. I hope he can land that contract. But on the head team, I think it's great, like Bryce said, promotional side. You have two choices as a racing team. You can either try to win races or just try to promote. Yeah. You know, in 2000, in 2019, I've seen, you know, I've seen my, my sponsor contract. You know, the first contract I signed in 2009 didn't say a word about social media or promotion. It was just purely about racing. You know, it's been 10 years and now every single contract I have, or I have, includes bits and pieces about social media and YouTube and this, that, and the other. And, um, I mean, in total, in total of impressions and um, marketability and views that that team is going to get with that lineup. I mean, I think it's it's great. It's, it's got to be a great return on value for that for that team to be doing that. Yeah, and Steve said this before, and he's somewhat right. Um, it's like a Pulpamex team, uh, you know. In in our world, Marty, do what. It just needs Marty now. Yeah, exactly. In our world, Pulpamex is huge. I mean, he has a, a huge fan base. Um, so that team gets a ton of the Pulpamex fan base coming over. Gets a lot of uh, you know, sh- a lot of showtime on Pulp. A lot of uh, you know, advertising, basically just free free advertising because him t- of him talking about it. And like you said, you know, they're they're probably not a team that's going to get. Any Tomac. I mean, it's very you know not anytime soon anyway. So having a team like that that fans love and that are characters, uh, man, I think it's the way to go. So yeah, I think it'd be smart uh, for them to keep that lineup. It's a good lineup. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens in 2020. Something else, A Ray said that made me laugh a little bit. And I don't know if anybody caught this. Uh, he he was talking about Supercross. He, his quote, if I have it right, was in Supercross you have some gnarly whoops, but you're pretty much in control. Which I thought was really, really funny, coming from Alex Ray. Please don't block me, yeah, Ray. I, I, I love you, A Ray. Please don't block me. But it was just—it kind of made me giggle. Um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Hey, I do want to step back real quick because I didn't bring this up with the Works Connection show. Kiefer was in studio night before Hangtown. They're discussing how he's going to do. He's pretty confident, you know. Things did not go well, and I hate that. Um, what did you guys think going into? Before qualifying, Bryce, what do you think Kiefer's chances were? Um, you know, talking to or listening to the things that he was saying with how many seconds he was off Michael Eschie and all the calculations Tony did, I <laughs> thought that he would be pretty close, honestly. But I guess once I saw the, the times, I was, I was pretty surprised. I, I think hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe you could look back and think like, oh, I could see how maybe – it's different in the Nationals. He hasn't done that. But right. I, if I was to be asked beforehand, I definitely I thought that. I wasn't sure he was going to be like 33, but I thought he'd be really on the bubble or close to the race. Yeah. Hey, Bryce, your phone's breaking up again a little bit. See if you can move around just a little bit. Uh, Connor, okay. what, what were your thoughts? And do you think – I think he'll be better this week in Apollo. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I first of all, I have a lot of respect for for Chris doing that. You know, I think it's really cool. I hate to see the 
the trolls online that are that are talked about. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a break. Anybody, anybody who has a pro license can enter. There's not like a an age limit or a, you know a, a certain status that you have to have to race. It's like you can go race and. He, he, if he would have been five seconds off the pace in dead last, then I can see the argument, you know, of not racing. But he he's like twenty guys, right. you know what I mean? Right. And he, he wasn't he wasn't that far away from making it. Um, but what I will say, and, and again, uh, just you know, Chris, if you do hear this, I I have nothing but respect for you. I don't. I'm not super surprised. I kind of thought he was going to be right on the cusp of making it in or not. Um, I think, you know, he trained for, you know, three, four months, you know, to do this. And he, he really put the effort in for three to four months to do this. But all these, not all these guys, but a lot of these guys that he was competing against have been doing this full time for years straight, right? Not mm-hmm. just on a whim, hey, I'm going to come back and try to race the national. Um, you know, and I think people underestimate just how hard it is to be like average or below average in the professional ranks of any sport. Like all the people that, that, you know, people make fun of guys who ride the bench as a second string player in the NFL, like always a bump. Like, do you know how, how good you have to be to even make it into the NFL? Oh yeah. Um, Crazy. And so that's where I have respect. The guys you get 40, 40th in the motos, you know, or the guys who are in the LCQ. It's like, those guys are legit. Like they're the, 40 to 60th best guys in the world at what they do. Yep. Um, but just, but just because they're getting beat down that bad by Eli and, and Cooper Webb and guys like that, you know, people think that they suck. But, I mean, that, there's nothing to be ashamed of for getting, you know, 55th, I think it was, uh, yeah. these guys that were that racing. And I think he, I agree with you. I think he'll be better this weekend. I think uh, it'll be on a track he's more familiar with. He'll be closer to home. He'll be more comfortable. But most of all, I think he's going to have the experience of the first race done. He'll be more relaxed. He won't have as much nerves. He'll be able to enjoy it a little bit more, I think. Um, and therefore, I, I, I think, you know, I think he's going to be able to put it in the race uh, this weekend. I think he'll get in the race. Right. Okay. So i got a question for each of you. Uh, it's just yes or no question. Yes or no answer. Whether Kiefer gets points or not, does he end up getting UPS, Bryce? No. No. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. What about you, Connor? You think Heather caves? I'm going to say yes, just because I hope my boy does. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's move on. Uh, so, first guest of the night, Connor is one of your guys, one of your buddies, uh, Christian Craig. Glad to see hear Christian back on the show. Um, man, he talked about just being glad to be healthy, just having fun being back. Um, and I, I was very happy to hear that attitude from him because he could very easily be in a negative place. Connor, I know you work with him a lot. You help him a lot. Um, thoughts on Christian Craig's interview with Mathis? Yeah, it was cool. Um, it's funny, before he goes on, every time I, I always send him a little reminder, like, hey, just remember everybody's going to hear this, so <laughs> you know, don't, say anything, don't say anything that you don't want everybody to hear. Right. Um, but no, I mean, what he was, what he was talking about is the exact stuff that, that we spoke about, you know, and uh, he's got that attitude as a, as a, as an athlete, you know, anybody who reaches the top and reaches the level that all these guys are at, he wants to be the best, right? Like, if you ask him what place do you want to get this weekend, he'll say first, you know, but that's the same answer that everybody's going to have. Yep, yep. Um, you know, but we, 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 going in, 
we just talked about the fact that the last race that he finished, that he did start to finish in America and finished, was, I believe, Hangtown of 2018. Because he broke his leg in, or towards NCL, excuse me, in uh, Glen Helen last year. Yeah. Missed the entire rest of the outdoors. He tried to race in Minneapolis, but he was unable to finish because he was racing with a dislocated thumb. Um, and then he finished a couple of off-season races, but the last race in America that he finished was a year ago. And so for him, it was kind of having to dial down um, that desire to win and that desire to be the best and just focus on just go race. See where you're at and just try to make some improvements from there. And I think him finishing 10th, he, he was happy with it. Um, it was a good place to build from, you know, and uh, he made improvements from Moto 1 to Moto 2, which is what he was really happy about. And he gave a good, honest interview. Um, yep. Yep. You know, I, I, I always appreciate, you know, hearing when the athletes do give an honest interview. Um, you know, we, we'll talk about it in a minute. Like, Hunter was real honest as well, and, and, and so was Adam. Like, it was just, I guess it was an honesty episode this week. Yeah, and, um, and uh, Kenny. I mean, yeah, well, you're right. The whole, it's a, like a theme. Yeah. But, no, Christian gave a good interview, yeah. um, and, and I was happy with him. And uh, it's good, uh, just like what you were saying uh, about how Pulp's got some fans, it's good for people to hear from him because Christian is a really nice guy. He's a dedicated father. Uh, he works his ass off, and he's had some shit luck, you know, for for the last couple of years. You know, some stuff was his fault. Other stuff wasn't even his fault, like having the wrong surgery on his thumb and um, some stuff like that. And he gets a lot of a lot of crap for um, that you should be on a 450. And yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, every, it's like every 250 rider's dream is to be on the 450, right? Like, that's what they want. They're not, not on a 450 because they just choose to stay on the 250, but... He's, he answered it. He said exactly what he's, he has to say. He's like, I'm contracted to ride 250. If someone comes next year when my contract up and puts a 450 contract on my desk, I'll sign it and I'll race a 450. But that's just that's the way it works. Yep. But I feel like sometimes sometimes people on Vital just don't understand that. They think everyone can just show up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Give me a 450 side. Exactly. That's, uh, yeah. that's not how it works. No, it's crazy what some of the, the fans – uh, keyboard words, whatever you want to call it, have to say at times. I mean, it just blows my mind. And I'm just not a negative person anyway, so I don't know why people feel like they need to throw that stuff out. Bryce, what did you think of Christian Craig um, and his thoughts and, and his interview with Mathis? Yeah, it was a super candid interview. I always like how when writers are just straightforward. But uh, I think my favorite thing that Christian does is he just explains writing so well. Um, myself, I just ride uh, a BMX bike on a motorcycle, but I guess you'll understand when he's talking about Cameron McAdoo or Alex Ray, he um, he can explain things so well about something that they need to work on or something that could be better. And I mean, he might make a great coach one day or something because of it, because it, it just makes so much sense. I think, especially to when um, he was asked if he ever rides the 450, and then Alex Ray was mentioning how he was suggested to ride the 250, and Christian just explained his shifting and yep. how he needs to focus on not riding like a, a 250 on a 450. But stuff like that is just um, great insight into the sport that, as like outside of another sport, it's really cool for me to hear. Totally agree. Uh, okay, then Hunter Lawrence comes on. Um, I didn't know a lot about Hunter. You know, I mean, I didn't really, I never really uh, seen any interviews with him in the past. I thought Steve did a really good job. It was, again, like we said, very honest, very candid. Even a caller, a Paul calls in and says that, hey, Hunter seems more open and polite than American riders. Steve says he's pretty, they're blunt. Um, 
There's no games being played. I really became a fan of Hunter Lawrence just from the interview with Mathis. Steve's so good at getting stuff out of these guys. I always joke about him being like the Howard Stern of Moto, where he gets people comfortable and they 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 open up. You know, um, Connor, we talked about this already. Any highlights for you from the Hunter Lawrence interview? Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the interview, man. And, and Hunter's another guy. I know Hunter. I spent time around him. I like Hunter a lot. Um, and hearing him interviewed was great. Uh, again, just the honesty. Um, I do think, you know, my coach is Australian. I've got some friends that are Australian. I've spent a lot of time there. There is a massive difference in the cultures. Um, they are more blunt. They'll say what needs to be said, and then they don't hold hard feelings about it. Right, um, right. And, and hearing Hunter's interview, um, you know, that's how it was. He was honest with himself. He's like, yeah, I had bad starts. He said, I made some mistakes, and it wasn't my best work and I'm going to go and I wish we could race tomorrow. You know, it was all, you know, it was, it was good, good stuff. I think, um, I think that Hunter, because of that attitude, I think he'll, he'll find success for sure. Right. Um, but he's a good, he's a good interview. And, uh, I enjoyed listening to his perspective on things. I think it's always interesting when you can get the GP, the guys from the GPs on, um, just to kind of compare. And, and Hunter and I talked about this when I talked to Hunter, the guys, a lot of the guys in America don't realize just how good they have it, you know, like with these massive semis and everybody's <laughs> taking care of all this stuff for them. And, and I, I gave, uh, me and him were locking real hard at one of the races about the, the helmet fans. Like they, these guys have fans that dry their helmet back yeah, yeah. in the motor. And he was, we were just laughing. Like, you, you guys don't have this in Europe. He's like, uh, no, we didn't have that in Europe. <laughs> so, um, no, Hunter's a good interview. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he actually he he being honest, he he talked about his first moto is right. He was kind of a disgrace to him, and you wouldn't hear very many American riders say that. Um, Bryce, something else that Hunter brought up, he was talking about like the the stopwatch nationals going and practicing at some of these local tracks, and how the the local guys want to try to race the pros during practice. Um, that's kind of a hot topic. We've seen uh, people get hurt, um, but again. It's something that Steve's talked about. Hunter brings it up. Uh, Hunter didn't pull any punches with that. What do you think of Hunter's interview? Yeah, I thought it was really straightforward. Like like Hunter said, I think just something with growing up in Australia, mm-hmm. um, it leads to a certain sort of bluntness. And then also the sense of humor is really what I love. Is He could be really, um, I wouldn't say dark, but just like straightforward about how he was a disgrace in his first moto. But then you could say the funniest things ever about when he uh, the, the most comfortable seat in, is the throne on the toilet, <laughs> yeah. like stuff like that. Just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I laughed out loud at. But um, but back to the the practice track, and I think they they talked about it in a few different ways there. I mean, it's just it's crazy that they put themselves in that situation. To me, um, in Formula One or something, you never see Dan uh, Ricardo like driving with just some guy that rented a, a car. Or, or some other thing like it's they're such elite athletes with so much money on the line it, it's crazy that they could be just held open and, and um like shut off by some guy that wants to be a pro at 15 years old or something it just yeah seems weird to me yeah exactly or even you know like dino land i think he landed on i want to say it was a female at one of the tracks or almost landed on it's like it's just ridiculous what they have to go through um, in practice, I mean, it, it, I I know this is the this is the the pole wrap up show. We try not to talk too much about our own opinions on things, but uh, Bryce, I agree with you a thousand percent on that, man. The amount of money that these guys have, and I, I've got a little bit of inside 
knowledge on, you know, the, the kind of money that these top guys make and all that. For the life of me, if, if, if it was if it was me, I would hire the track out for yeah. three grand or four grand or whatever. Because the amount of money that these guys are going to lose if they get hurt, um, it, it, it's just a no-brainer. And, and I think the pro, I think they did it right this year with the pro day when they they all chipped in and hired it out. But I mean, you get three or four of these guys together, everybody throws in a thousand bucks and hires out a track for a couple of hours. I mean. That's not that. That's like you and I spending twenty bucks to hire out a track. Then I mean, yeah. And the the fact that these guys don't do that, um, I don't understand. But it's cool that they finally. I mean, I don't know how many guys had to get hurt before they finally realized that. Yeah, it's it's scary that uh, you know Steve always says uh, Glenn Helen is just a money grab, and that's where a lot of these injuries have happened at. They're just looking, you know, they don't care. They'll let anybody ride quads, everything. And, you know, the only way to probably really stop it is for them to stop going uh, because it doesn't seem like the track cares enough to change it. Um, all right, so JT calls in, as usual. He's a regular caller, uh, regular co-host, and uh, JT, Fly Racing, of course, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite brands, a proud sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show and Pulpum X. Uh, anyway, one of the, a discussion was brought up about uh, Justin Hill and Thomas Covington. Who had a worse day? That's pretty intense. That's pretty – I mean, these are two, quote-unquote, factory guys not really doing well, probably not doing what they're expected to. Um, and JT says it was Thomas Covington. Bryce, what do you think, man? Those Both those guys underachieving. Yeah, I think uh, JT brings up a good point that they're both – really struggling and it's going to be a hard case for them to have a, a ride. And, uh, to me, the most interesting thing they brought up was uh, Steve mentioned that contracts are, they can kind of always find an out or something. And I guess that's, that's the most interesting thing to me is if things continue this way, especially for Thomas Covington is, um, is what, what they mentioned with the contract that two years, will that be upheld? And I mean, if they're not even, if he's not even get, getting points, like what is, I don't know. That's hard to hard to want to keep supporting. Right, um, Connor. What do you think, man? Yeah, it's a tough decision. Yeah, or a tough position. I mean, to be in there and look like what Bryce is saying when when Steve brought that up. I mean, that's just the, the unfortunate truth, you know. And when you're the athlete in these scenarios, there's always a little little bit of fine print in those contracts that basically gives them all the rights to just, oh yeah, we're done with you. We can we can you know, flick you off if we want. Yeah. But to answer your question on who's who's worse, I'm going to say Justin Hill. Okay. Justin Hill is a past a past champion. He was expected to contend as the top Suzuki rider. Um, he underperformed in in the uh, Supercross where he was hyping himself up. Let me on the 450. Let me go. Let me yeah. go. And then yeah. he underperformed. Then he hyped himself up that he was all motivated and he was going to do well in the outdoors. And then he ran into the gate before the Moto One even started. <laughs> yes, he did. And in my, in my, you know, I, I've never lined up in the motocross gate, but in BMX, um, you've done a million gates in practice. The only way you mess up a gate is is nerves and just mentally falling apart. Um, it's not technical, and and I, that to me just screams that he's mentally all over the map and that he needs some, some work there. So, I mean, Covington, it was his first ever national, I believe, right? It was his first one. Um, yeah. So you can kind of make the excuse for that. But there's no excuse for Justin Hill. Wow, that's a hot take right there, early. That's an early BTO hot take. No excuse. I like it. Coming in hot. Um, 
So you think Steve? I mean, I, I mean, you you you're the past champion making as a as a BMX racer. I would kill to have the opportunity to make that kind of money. Yeah. And when you come in unprepared and out of shape, I just I I I can't relate to that one bit. I, I get it. I I can't relate. Well, I can I can easily relate to not being prepared because I'm. 40, 42 years old and again as i say all the time i like eating junk food um i'm not ever prepared for racing it doesn't seem like uh, x-brand tear-off segment this is always entertaining because you always wonder how many times jt is going to go over the 30 second mark and how, how many times steve's going to give him shit and how many times jt is going to tell him i don't care about your time um which did happen one of my favorite things. I, I love the banter, the, the arguing between JT and Steve. It's one of my favorite things on the show. Um, I think Steve gets a little uh, a little extra, a little overwound up on some things that maybe aren't necessary. What do you think, Connor? you like it when those two bicker? Oh, yeah. They're like a married couple. It's great. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Bryce, what do you think about the relationship between JT and Steve? I, I think those relationships and uh, just Steve giving people a hard time or, and likewise is really what makes the Pulp and X show for yep. me. I mean, when I first when I first came across it, I remember with Kenny Watson, that, like they kind of had a similar uh, argue, and sometimes it got a little more heated than Kenny would just leave the studio. But I, I think Steve's always had that, that good, uh, I don't know, just make them seem more authentic when they when they can argue like that and it's just not all roses and talking about how great the sport is and only the guys that won. I, I really appreciate them being yeah. straightforward and that's what's funny. That's what I like about the Pope show. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it really is like a family and there's all different, you know, there's all different personalities and, uh, you know, you have all your different little family members and some don't get along at some times and they come back together and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so they were discussing racing at Paula, and someone brought up, I don't remember who it was, is it a disadvantage to the East Coast guys to race at Paula? Is there, a, is there like a home field advantage for the guys that practice out there? Basically, you know, you're talking uh, TLD, KTM, practice there all the time. Baker's Factory guys, they're out on the East Coast practicing out there. Do you think there's a, at that level, do you really think there's a disadvantage? Because I don't believe so, or a home field advantage. Bryce, what do you think? Um, I, I think there definitely has to be a home home advantage, even if they change the track up a little bit or, or anything. It, it's just the confidence that those riders are going to have, okay. um, knowing that they rode on there. To me, I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of they, they said that Keeper's supposed to do better, um, hopefully, because he he knows that track. And I think if, if he should, then I, I think it should be the same for the top riders as well. Like if the, that's what they're practicing on, then that's the track's different everywhere, so they're going to be a little bit more. To be there, I would think. Okay, Bryce. Uh, I guess I'm probably wrong. I, what do you think? I mean, um, Connor. Sorry, Connor. Yeah, no, I know you're saying. Uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna say that there's gonna be a slight advantage for them, but it's gonna be more of a comfort thing that they're gonna be able to, you know, stay at the house that they, I guess. Some of the guys like Marv have houses in both, but they'll be at home. You know, they don't have to go far. They don't have to travel. They know the dirt. That's a big, big part of it. But the guys that you're talking about that are from Florida that are coming over are like Zach Osborne, Jason Anderson, Cooper Webb, Marvin Muskin, Adam Cincerulo. Like, you're talking some of the most talented guys out there. 
you know, I think those those guys are going to be able to adapt and, and handle the track regardless of how much time they've had on it. I think it would make more of a difference if you're talking the guys in the 10 to 15 range. Um, when those guys have had a lot more track time on it, I think it would make a bigger difference. But I think Marvin or Osborne or Webb could have five minutes of practice on the track and still be competitive because they're just that good. Right. You know what I mean? That elite level, yeah. Okay. You know, Eli. Eli, yeah. Eli doesn't ride at Paula all that much because he's out in Colorado. Right. You know, but are you ever going to say, like, <laughs> you know, oh, Eli's going to be at a disadvantage because he hasn't spun as many laps as, as the next guy at that track? No, I, I wouldn't. So you, you you kind of somewhat agree with my thoughts on it then to a degree. Is I didn't think there would be a big disadvantage just because of that. At that level, like you said, they're, you're going to adapt pretty quick. They're they're so good at every kind of dirt. You know, you, you hear, oh, like – the, the the Friday night show, they're talking about Barsha. He's going to do well because it's going to be muddy because he won at Anaheim. Well, now all those guys are so good at the, everything. You know, it's not really like you could say, well, he sucks at the mud. No, the, those guys, the elite riders, they're good at everything, period. That's my opinion. All right, Ken Roxon. I agree. My favorite guest of the night, um, which is hard to say because they're all good guests. We, don't hear, we haven't heard a lot out of Kenny on um, – podcast really over throughout supercross he's been kind of quiet to a degree having some health issues he was pretty honest he said that uh he didn't feel 100 percent comfortable very few riders would open up and say that um connor do you, uh, what do you think about kenny what do you think about how steve handled the interview i have always had a lot of respect for the honesty kenny brings yep. um you know, during his entire arm rehab and how he opens up, and I think that's why fans connect with him so much is because he's, they feel like they go through the whole thing with him. And he's almost like the anti-Eli when it comes to opening up the fans. You know, they're, they're two completely opposite sides of the coin. Um, but, no, his interview is good, and, and I know how that feels. You know, I understand why he said, um, I didn't respond to your text, uh, because I didn't want to come on the show and I had nothing good to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I get that. It's like you're going to come on and just be negative and be a, be not not a good interview. And um, I get that where he's coming from. And and he always gives a good interview. I, I enjoyed listening to, to to what he had to say. And uh, again, I mean, just like the theme of the show, he's he was honest and he was talking about he still doesn't feel good and all that. And if if he still doesn't feel that great, then. Uh, you know, if he's got more in the tank, then those boys could be in trouble. Yeah, no doubt. I was, I'll be honest, I was pretty surprised with his finish. Like, I, I know he's still fast and he has his moments, but he was pretty damn dominant in the first moto and just hanging. I don't. I feel like he was just kind of playing it safe to a degree in the second moto. Um, very impressed. Can't wait to see what he does the rest of the year. Bryce, again, we all know Kenny's pretty honest. He... Um, he says stuff that his team managers and his PR, Mandy um, Fontaine, or uh, she probably they probably get a little <laughs> probably banging their head against the wall sometimes with some of the things he says. Um, but I, I, I like what he says. What do you think, Bryce? What do you think about Kenny and his honesty and talking about? He said he would have eaten sh- horse shit if that's what it took to to do better in Supercross. I mean, he's pretty blunt. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a big fan of Ken just because of how honest he's always been in his struggles and his. Uh, in his triumphs as well. But the most interesting thing to me is that I guess I never thought Ken would be someone that even when he's doing that, he wouldn't respond to Ken or, or to Steve and maybe he wanted to, he didn't really have that much to say, which I totally see. And, and that just shows 
how probably how much of a struggle it actually was. And I totally believe that he said it. Beauty horse shit. I mean, that's that's funny. But at the same time, it's it's so. Um, I think for most people to actually grasp the desire that he has to do do his job of winning is um, so it would be hard to do. Not many people, I think, even in the gate, care as much as he does, and that's probably why he's so good. But it also makes it interesting that to me, it, it doesn't seem like he's that celebratory, or he kind of even mentioned how he's not sure, sure like why he felt a little bit better, but he still felt off. Like I, I think. I don't know if he's confused or I just I'm just kind of confused where he's at. I don't know if that was like a one-off thing or if he has more than take is going to be better. I don't. I'm not really sure where his season will go off of that interview to me. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's 100 percent confident yet. I think he's definitely still having some health issues. Um, but it's really great seeing that he's back doing interviews. He he must be starting to feel a little bit better physically and mentally if he's willing to step out and be honest um you know he talked about he they talked about his plans in the next three years after the new contracts up and he even talked about not sure maybe even doing gps which that one really kind of threw me for a loop i I would not have expected that um but that's kind of stuff that's insight that you're going to get from the pulp mx show um after after kenny's done they go to a break cooksy comes in studio and then they get adam c and cirillo on Another person, kind of like Zach Osborne, who's very, very close with Steve. Uh, they're they're almost they act like brothers almost, you know, or father and son if you want to take the, the age difference. But um, AC's fantastic. One of the things I took away from that interview, Connor, was uh, a caller called in that had had a stroke, and he talked about Adams Adam doing the interview post Vegas with Daniel Blair and how much that meant to him. His never quit attitude. Um, that one, man. When that interview, when that caller first called in, I was kind of like, "Oh man, where's this guy going with this?" But it turned into something really heartfelt that Adam said was like made his night. That really, that that might actually be the highlight of the night for me. Um, any thoughts on that? You know, I mean, you, you're a professional athlete. You have lots of kids look up to you. I've watched YouTube videos. Kids are you know high fiving you. They know who you are. Being that kind of in that kind of limelight where people are looking up to you and you can be a role model for somebody that's pretty intense and Adam handled it very well. Yeah, I've got a few thoughts on that. Okay. I mean, the first part, the first thought on that, and, and it, this blew my mind and I should know this, but when Adam was getting interviewed, he mentioned that he's 22 years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's put this in, let's put this into perspective. There's a 22 year old man, young man who was just, told by a caller, you know, that after his stroke and seeing you do that interview, and I appreciate that, and that helped me get through the hard times. Like, that's heavy for anyone to kind of to, to hear, yep. let alone a 22-year-old. Think of the average 22-year-old that you see, well, you know, and how they would be able to... My to, son's, to my son's 21, and yeah, not even remotely at that maturity level, but go ahead, continue. Yeah, it's just, that's what I mean, so... I mean, I had so much. I, Adam's the one guy on the show that I don't actually know or have a personal relationship with. Um, but I have nothing but respect for Adam. And I remember talking to Clipsy, um after after that interview, and I said, "You learn more about a man and how he handles defeat and how he handles success." And, and the way that Adam handles that, I think, is going to build him a fan base forever. I mean, people will talk about that if he wins four championships down the road, you know, in four fifty class. 
um, people will still talk about the fact that he went and did that interview afterwards and, yep. and how he handled, handled it like a man, and then he won his very next race. Right. Um, so for him to do, I, I think that was just flat out incredible. And, and and then when you hear that kind of stuff from fans, I haven't I haven't heard that specifically, but I've heard you know people. Any time a kid tells you that they look up to you or that you help them through a hard time or anything like that, it's, it 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 you don't even know how to respond. Like it, cause you don't do it to try. You, if you do it for the right reasons, you're not trying to do it for others. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And because and because it is the right thing to do, people will notice it, and you'll end up kind of by default inspiring others and helping others out too. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's, even, it's a hard thing to even describe how that feels. But um, no, that was a really cool moment, and, and and in a show that is full of banter and jokes and talking shit and messing around, that kind of a heartfelt moment was was really cool. Right, and that's at that moment, of course, Steve makes the joke because, and it's, it wasn't like uh, an ugly joke. He's like, hey, that, this is what you get from the Pulp MX show. And he's, he's right. I mean, Bryce, you do get a lot of this kind of stuff. You get insight through this Pulp MX show that you really don't get on other shows. Like, I love Weeja's show. You know, we, I do the Moto X Pod show, but there's just something different about Pulp MX. Uh, and, and Adam said, um, yeah, my mind just blanked on where I was going with this. Go ahead, Bryce. What do you, what do you think about the AC? Oh, he said that you had to face the music at some point. Like he he felt like he needed to do the interview because it's it happened. It happened that night. Might as well face the music and get it over with. What do you think about it, Bryce? Yeah, Adam, I've always been such a big fan of just because of how open he is. And but after that, I mean, there's no way that I I, I don't think anyone could dislike it. Even if if you're a Dylan Fernandez fan or something, you have to just be able to respect that. And to me, the most interesting thing is I just feel like Adam is so hyper-aware. I, I think he almost – I feel like he knew taking that interview that he was creating a moment like that. I, I feel like he watches so many other sports and is in the basketball and stuff, and I, I feel like – I think he he can process things fast enough or he knew that he's going to take this interview and he just has to face it now and, and like, the benefits of that. And he's just so smart to me. I, I don't think – I don't think it was an accident of, of the connections that he's made with fans and the people. I think it's it's pretty um, on purpose because he under, he gets it. I would say. Right. I want to take a second real quick to thank the sponsors again: Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, and LA Honda World Downey. Ride Engineering, OGO, all big-time sponsor of the Pulp MX Show. If any of these products, you're, if you want to get discount codes for any of these products, go to the thepulpmxshow.com. There's a sponsor link where he has all the, the discount codes. Um, let's get this thing moving. We're running a little late. Um, so four, four great guests on the show, calling guests. Um, some other things that came up that I kind of laughed at that I thought were pretty entertaining – Steve Steve mentioned he's going to kill himself basically if he's still doing media when Evan Ferry goes pro. Steve talks all the time about I'm going to I'm I'm done with this next year. I, th- I think there was even um, something posted on Twitter where a few years ago he said by 2019 he was not going to be doing this anymore. And I, I I mean, what do you guys think? You think Steve's really going to hang hang the the microphone up at the, the the recorder up at some point in the next couple years, Connor? It's hard to say. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got a mortgage just like the rest of us, and he's right. got to provide. Uh, he's got to provide income, and 
Uh, he's really good at what he does. He makes he makes a decent living doing it. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I can totally understand. I mean, I travel for my races too, and the thought of doing that, you know, I'm only 26, right? So that would be like me doing another 20 years of traveling <laughs> right, and right. racing. And, and the thought of doing that sounds awful to me. Um, so I can understand, you know, how traveling that much and dealing with the drama and, and that can get exhausting. Um, but, you know, I think I, as, as Steve's friend, I was bummed when his full pocky um, went on hold and he's not doing it anymore because yeah. I, I root for all my friends to succeed. But I do think that that kind of, you know, leads to him probably being around the industry a little bit longer to keep doing what he's doing. I, I mean, I don't see him doing anything else in, in the motocross industry other than what he's doing now. Um, I don't think he's going to go from, you know, being a media guy to back to a team manager or something other than a couple of races. But I think he's going to be around for a little bit longer. But I think, you know, long-term business plan, you know, I think he could potentially get a couple of guys to almost run both MX and go to the races for him and cover the races for him. And then he doesn't have to travel as much. He can still run his podcast and stuff, but he can stop going to the races and, and traveling as much. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that, that could be an option. I know somebody that would be uh, interested in that position if it becomes available. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah, that's me, man. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what we're trying to do with the Moto X-Pod show. You know, I don't know that we'll ever be at the level Pulp is, but we've, you know, we've been, we're two years in now, and it's growing, and we try to try to ask good questions and have good guests. And, yeah, I would I would love for Steve to say, you know, let's bring the Moto X Pod show into the Pulp Nation network or something. That'd, that'd be fantastic, but that may be a pipe dream. But if Steve's listening to this, think about it, dude. Bryce, um, what do you think? you think Steve's going to stick? Like, just give us your thoughts on how many more years Steve is going to the races, doing the post-race interviews, doing the, the grind. How many more years do you think he'll do it? Okay, I'll do a hot take, I guess, and three years, but I, I think after those years, he's still going to be involved in doing the Monday Night Show. And yeah. I think it's just getting more people involved that um, through, like, the Zach Osborne podcast and getting people more in-house, it, it seems to me like he's building more of a, a network around him yep. slowly where I can totally see um, not maybe his time wouldn't be spent as well at the races. Like, if he was doing a... I think they might have done it once a long time ago, but if he, they just... They did a show during the race where you could listen to that, and they, they, they called some writers in the pitch. Um, I think I remember that, yeah. And yeah, they did. Stuff like that, I mean, that might be a better use of time anyway. So right. I could see something like that becoming more um, more beneficial for him even than, than just going to the races. And like Connor said, it would be, I can imagine every single weekend has to be a burn eventually right right for sure all right so we're start, we're we're at about an hour so we're going to start knocking some of these things out pretty quick um the race tech rant of the night where he was discussing the jerk offs talking shit on vital and media about kiefer uh, i'm not going to get into that too much other than um yeah i just again like agree, i said i will agree to that jerk off do what and then we can all just agree that they're jerk offs. They are jerk offs. I don't under again don't understand the negativity. Like if you have if you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's pretty simple. It's it's an old rule. Shut up. But agreed. Yep. All right. Agreed. So they we talk about A Ray talks about Hawaii. He learned to surf. Spent a bunch of money. Um, I was dying because I li- I lived there for like five years as a kid, and he didn't have any of the the island names right and um 
A Ray kept saying like Waikiki, which it's Waikiki. So let's. Let, I, I don't know. He's driving me crazy. It was funny, entertaining. He, listening to A Ray talk about spending money and learning the surf and trying to find good sushi and um, very entertaining subject. Um, let's see here, Cooksey. Here, here's something that I thought was kind of cool. Cooksey was surprised by Jason Anderson. And then he talked about, you know, Webb and Jason got together very briefly at a corner, and he he made the quote, "Tell me that's not going to escalate throughout the season." Um, yeah, I, I could see those two guys; they're pretty hot headed. I could see them getting into it, or I could almost see them just thriving on off of it. Um, what do you think, uh, Bryce? Yeah, I, to me, um, I totally agree with Cookie. I think it's probably a matter of time. I mean, they're, they're both at the high level, and they're going to be up there, and they both seem hot to me, so I, I could agree. I think something will probably boil over. All of them will probably make it seem okay, and they'll, they'll, I guess they're going to work it out, but it's a matter of time before they, something happens at least right. at night. How about you, Connor? you think those guys can, can keep it um, friendly? I got two. I got two thoughts. Uh, first thought, I will say hot take. I'll do my hot take for the night. Okay. Um, BTO hot Anderson take. And Anderson and Webb go at each other this um, this outdoor season. At some point, one of them is going to clean the other one out. There, there's Ooh. two dudes that think the track is theirs. That think the race is theirs. That are alpha dogs. That I respect the hell out of both of them for that attitude. But at some point or another, it's going to come down to one versus one for a moto win, and nobody's backing down. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that they both are going to be like, yeah, you know what? He's going to ride me that way, but I'm going to ride him the same way, you know? And um, they're just going to be, you know, two, two, uh, two alpha dogs going after one another. Uh, on that. And then my other thought real quick was on Hawaii. I'm happy to hear that A Ray went, spent money, learned how to surf. I mean, <laughs> I look back at the, I look back at the early years of my career when I traveled all over because we get to go all over the world. Yeah, all we do. And I spent way too much time in the hotel room, you know, because I didn't want to go and um, check things out because I wanted to rest or whatever. And you know, you don't always. I don't even remember how I did half of these races, but I would love to go and uh, see different sites and do different things. And um, I think that's an important thing. So it's cool that Alex. Had some fun in Hawaii. He did his racing, but he also went and did a couple of things. You know that he can. Re- he'll remember the surfing forever. Right. He won't remember that how how he did at the race. Okay, a couple more. A couple more things uh, I want to touch on. Steve mentioned a 15 year friend that sent him a shitty email, and they're not friends anymore. Any idea who it is, Bryce? Any thoughts? I have no clue who it is, but I, I could totally see Steve. He, he always shoots it straight, so I, I totally can see how that is. And he's probably a little bit on the right side, but I'm sure there's, there's both sides to it. Right, right. How about you, Connor? Any, just I, I was racking my brains going, who is it? Who is it? You know? I have no idea. It could be anybody that was one of his sponsors. It could be somebody from a team that he had to work with to get rider interviews. It could be just a personal friend. I have no idea. Right. It definitely had me thinking, though. I like. I, I wish you would have let it slip because I wanted to know for damn sure. Um, okay, a couple more. Steve. Steve thinks that Dino should, is going to stay at Husky next year in 2020. It's going to be a three-man team. Bobby Hewitt's going to have Dean, Zach, and Jason Anderson. I don't believe that's going to happen. I've heard rumors of other things happening. 
Um, but Connor, do you think there's a possibility that Dean could stay at Husky? I'm going to go ahead and plead the fifth on any sort of contract negotiation questions. Okay. I'm good friends with a couple. I'm, uh, I'm good friends with a couple of agents. Um, I work with Wasserman at oh. my agency, so I'm good friends with Lucas Myrtle, and I talk to Steve Askin and stuff. So. I, uh, I've got some insider knowledge, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, plead the fifth for anything there. Fair enough. What about you, Bryce? Think a three-man team is possible? Um, I mean, they they kind of were supporting him a little bit in the beginning. I can see that maybe happening. Where as long as I mean, he seems happy with his sponsors to to possibly do it, but I, I just don't know if with having his his dad as a mechanic and stuff, if that's something that he want to do. Because I'm sure he has some other options on the table. Um, so I guess it's kind of up to Dean what he wants to do. But I'd be surprised, I guess, if they had full three bikes under the rig. Yeah, I'd love to see it, A1. personally. I mean, I would love to see it. I think he does well on Husky. And, I, I mean, I think Bobby Hewitt would love to make it happen. I, I'd be I'd be stoked if they did it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, okay. I think he, he, he deserves a ride somewhere. I Absolutely. He, I mean, I, whether it's there or elsewhere, he needs, he needs to be on the factory bike somewhere. Totally agree. Okay, um, they discussed the Moto Spy videos, uh, the on the uh, Red Bull Moto Spy videos that Wes Williams does. Steve mentioned he doesn't like every podcast being on there. So first of all, every podcast is not on there because we haven't been on one yet. But he says, "I just want more me." That's that's so Steve. Um, but do you think he's serious about that, Bryce? You think that's a serious thing or just a joke? I was dying when he said that. I, I, I don't <laughs> think he's. I think Steve just knows that, like, certain funny things and, and jokes about it, but, yeah. I mean, he's not going to... He's friends with some of the other podcasts. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't, like, he's not... I don't think that's serious, but it's definitely funny for the press listeners. Yeah, it was funny. What about... Connor, you, you think he's joking for the most part, or do you think it really bothers oh, I mean, him? No, I think he's joking. I think it's... I think, uh... You know, the, the the biggest reveal of all is, is the fact that Steve has pod, other podcast hosts and other podcast people on his podcast. Yep, exactly. He's never, he, he, talks, he talks smack and dick and all about the other podcasts and stuff, but I've never once heard him legitimately say that he's upset at other podcasts and stuff. And um, I actually think it's really cool, that even though they're trying to kind of you know, crack into his same audience and his same target market. He's always been cool having other people in and, and other media guys and, and all that as well. Yeah, I actually discussed that with him about, well, I think, I want to say it was last season because, you know, I was asking him a lot of questions and we were starting out and I asked him about, you know, having issues with other podcasts. And um, he mentioned there was one in the beginning that was taking a lot of his material and kind of posting it as their own or saying, hey, I, you know, we we found this out, this particular story out, and it was something that Steve had said, and it happened a few times, and that pissed him off. Um, but he's always been very good to us, or me, whenever I ask him anything. He helps me out. He gives me advice. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's, it's friendly. As long as you show respect to him, I think he's cool. Yeah, and I think the attitude's cool because I think you know in a niche in a niche sport, if everybody competes with each other, nobody's going to grow. If everybody helps and supports each other, yeah, then the entire sport lifts and grows. You know, and I think that's the the attitude he has, which is I think the right attitude. 
Right. All right, so the last thing uh, for me was Jordan Burns, formerly of Strung Out, calls in, and Moto Triple X is back. That is 90s Moto. Um, you guys might be a little bit young to remember that. I don't know, but I was pretty excited. I hope they do something with Moto Triple X. Pretty cool to have him call in. Um, any thoughts for you, Bryce? Do you remember Moto Triple X? Um, the only thing I know about Super X is Steve talking about it with Kenny and them. Yep. So I don't, I don't know much. But I do know that. I mean, just in brands, like there, there's there's names there, and it's definitely a place to to come back and the nostalgia. Where people that grew up around Moto Triple X, they have money now. They have kids that probably ride, and so I, I think I wish them the best of luck and. I think there's there's definitely room in this place for the company, so I hope I hope you as well. Right. What about you, Connor? Any thoughts? Uh, did did you get excited by that at all, or is that a little bit before your time? Yeah, I'm with Bryce. The only experience in Motor Triple X I have is them talking about it on the show. Okay. Um, I, it's, it's before my time, but um, any recovering uh, any recovering addict or anything like that who's back doing doing good things, I I wish all the best and um, hope things go well for them and. Bryce did make a good point up the uh, the nostalgia of the '90s moto. Those those people now are older and have money to spend on their kids and stuff, and that could be a good uh, good little thing for for the sport. Right. All right. Now, Connor, you did your BTO hot take already. Um, Bryce, do you have a, another BTO hot take? I know you kind of mentioned something earlier, but do you have one specific for this segment? I'm going to go Justin Cooper will win his first race and then ends up going for the title and ending with the title in his first race of the year season. Nice. Like it? Very. Uh, that would be something we'll watch. Um, before I let you guys go, Connor, uh, what do you got coming up race-wise? I know we talk, you and I talked on the Moto X-Pod show the other night, but uh, what do you got? What can be? What will, should people follow you and watch for in the next coming months? Yeah, it's about to get real busy for us. Uh, this time next year, the Olympic team will be named for the 2020 Olympics for Team USA. Um, so we've got a uh, bunch of different races between now and then that all count for different points and uh, and all that. And then at the end of the end of May next year, the highest ranked guys in points earn the spot onto the team. So. Things get going. I'm racing in Nashville this weekend, uh, Paris in two weeks, going over to Europe. Um, then we've got some events here in America. We've got back in Europe in July, Argentina in September, Australia in January. It's kind of bouncing all over the world over the next year or so and working on uh, earning another spot and uh, trying to go to my third Olympics. Fantastic. Bryce, I, I would assume your schedule is very similar. So I, I actually don't really race anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to be Connor Field. Uh, that was my goal. I trained really hard for that. And, uh, like, David Willeman kind of messes with some people and just, like, once it's not working, to, to give it up. So I, I kind of did that. And I'm still involved in the sport a little bit. Um, and I, I post some YouTube videos. But I, I really just um, – I go to school and I work. And I do a lot of stuff on graphic design. So my, my I took kind of the stuff that I really cared about in BMX and the, the drive and kind of applied it to – Career-wise, and uh, being a huge part of my life, but um, now I can just use those skills elsewhere. So I'm really thankful for that. And it's so cool to be on the show too. I've like, been a fan forever of Paul's is awesome. Too. Yeah, well, I appreciate Steve giving me the platform to do this and have you guys on. I appreciate Connor Fields, you, and, and suggesting Bryce Betts to come on. Uh, you guys were great guests. I want to thank the, the, this list of sponsors one more time: BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Suspension. 
Michelin Star Cross Vise, Maxima Oil, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, and Works Connection. I'm Dark Side for the Moto X Pod Show. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, this is another episode of the Wrap Up Show. If you guys have any comments, want to send in your BTO hot takes, it's darkside at pulpamex.com. And we'll be back next week with another show. That's it. Thanks. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Yeah.